Crikey, he's a big one. If I'm not careful, <laughs> I'll be dead in seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so I stuck my thumb right up his, his butthole. <laughs> his, that way. his butthole. Crikey, I stuck my thumb right up his butthole. It's <laughs> a South Park reference, I think. It is. Correct. Yeah, see? Yeah, see? Yeah. Yeah, see, we're live, see? I just got it. Is that the cold open? Here come the coppers. Right. Nah. Ah, I just put us on the live stream, see? Nah. We're streaming. Yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, nah. see? Where's I can't see. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's no video here. Nah. Ah, uh, it's like we're on the radio. Know. Yeah, this is the radio. <laughs> we made it, boys. We made the big time. What's the headline for today? <laughs> what is... I'm in such a good mood, I'm going to put my pants on. I sound like Doc Copper from the Muppet movie. Try and catch me, Copper. <laughs> <laughs> I love the taste of frog legs. You like frog legs. <laughs> frog legs. Frog, frog legs. Oh, yeah, frog legs. That's all I'm allowed to use now. That's oh, I like frog legs. So Jason's, a, Jason's a hipster. Yeah, see? Look at that exposed brick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's exposed brick. Yeah, see? It's pretty it's hipster. If we just keep repeating C, I don't think it's that funny. <laughs> Maybe we should have some other sentences to say besides C. They all say C. C? It's a podcast. They say, listen here. Listen here, C. Look at here now. You can't look here. We're just, just people listening. Hey, look at all these looky-loos. We're on live. People are going to think we're idiots. <laughs> we are live. Excuse me while I choke. Hi. Hello to my listening audience, see? Yeah. Silence. No. Wait a minute. Is that it? <laughs> I, I, I think I had an opening, she, and we were going to talk about stuff, she. Yeah. Yeah. It was going to be good. Yeah, small, yeah. Man, I feel like watching a 50s movie now. Here come the coppers. It makes me want to go out and buy a monkey. She. Yeah, a monkey. From KOYR Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's Arcade Radio. Welcome to episode seven of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Yeah. 
<laughs> Today is Thursday, January 19th, 2017. It is now 8.18 p.m. Central. Thanks for joining us in the Arcadosphere. This is your host, Matarax. I'm joined by the legendary Dan Reed and Mark Shields, Mr. Time Runner himself. And tonight we also have Mr. Pinball Wizard himself, Jason Heiser. So welcome to the show. Oh, thanks, Adam. Uh, what do they say on podcasts? It's good, <laughs> good to be here? That, that I, I think that's what they say. Okay. So, so it's norm- good to be here. So normally what we do is a little bit of informal introductions. Um, Jason, you're a guest. Why don't you tell us a little bit about ourse- yourself, ourselves? Why don't you tell us a little bit about ourselves? Why don't you tell me a little bit about me? Thanks. Go ahead. <laughs> well, Adam, you and I have known each other for probably about 15 years or so. Has um, it been that long? And yeah, I think it was 2001 at uh, Terheiser's 40th birthday. I remember um, it I think that well. was the first time I met you and um, Tom and Gwen and, uh, and I won't mention her name. Um, Heather. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been about 15 years. And Excellent. so, and, uh, I kind of got into pinball, um, inadvertently, but I think I, you're partly to blame because, uh, it was shortly, not too long after I went to one of your retro gaming parties. Interesting. And, um, this is, know, this is pre arcade. This is when I was doing console parties. Yeah. Console parties, but there were some, uh, standup arcades, uh, uh, there was uh, a Tempest there. There were a couple of cocktail games. But yeah, it was mostly consoles. Cool. So uh, welcome to the show. Um, Mark, Mark and Dan, why don't you introduce yourselves? Just in case nobody knows who you are. Hi, this is Mark Shields. Oh, no. You are not I'm Mark Dan Shields. Reed. Cut that out. You... I'm Dan Reed, and my hand is in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, you go first because you're way more important than me. Oh, psh. Mark Shields, markshields.com, blogging since 2000, timemachinerental.com for your time travel needs, and unclericosvan.com for all your throwing pigskins over a quarter mile needs. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets better each week. I just love it. I just love it. <laughs> I'm Dan, and I hacked my mini Nintendo Classic this week to uh, play oh. 80 games, so now it's actually a useful thing. So, yeah, there you what, go. I, I can't even believe you got one of those things. I got three of them. Oh man, are you going to sell them for like a hundred dollars each or what? No. Oh, we going to give me one because I'm an awesome host. No, you owe me a switch. This podcast, this podcast is over. Good night. Good night. Thanks for listening. It's arcaderadio.com. R C A D E radio.com. Twitter. Uh, we're at radio at, at arcade radio. Last, last time I said at Twitter, which I think was pretty funny. Yeah. We're um, at twitter.com. Yeah. We're at twitter.com. No, we're at arcade radio. And then it's, uh, iTunes, Google play, SoundCloud, all the usual places. You can call us on the game line right now. If you want six, one, two, five, four, eight game, we won't answer, but we will definitely play your, you know, clip on the show. So, um, what is new with you, Dan, Mark, Adam, Jason? Uh, what are you working on this week in the, in, in the arcade sphere? I'm going to start. I picked up a Pac-Man for a hundred bucks. What? It was one of those 11 minutes after posting Craigslist. That's correct. That is just nuts. Wow. And and the best part though, is it's not that I got a good deal and it was close and it didn't rain on me and I didn't have to go through a flood. The best part (laughs) was going to pick up the game. And then the guy had some awesome like how story about how he got this roached up game and how he was going to fix it. And that, and it wasn't all that. The best part. Did you say roached up? What? What did you call it? Roached up? Roached. And there physically were roaches inside. Really? But the best part, um, okay. the best part, sorry, best part, him telling me about the people who called after me <laughs> and what they offered him and what they tried to get him to do. Was he crying when he was telling you the story? Or? No. 
<laughs> I mean, he removed the ad to stop getting the phone calls. I even told him, as soon as I hang up, somebody else is going to call, and they're going to say they can be right over there. So if you could just please pull the ad down. <laughs> like right now. Good. Good. Oh, my gosh. So did he have, like, seller's regret? Was he upset at all? Or No, he was fine. Okay. But, I mean you know, really smarmy people calling and saying, you know, you know, I don't mind that it's raining right now. I'll come right now. And I have, I have $120, <laughs> you know, well, you don't even have to take it out of the garage. I'll do it for you. Oh, nice. Way to sweeten the deal. Nice. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. It's How got long? a Wells Gardner 77. I don't remember what number it is. Really? It's, so it's a newer one. It's a newer one and it's uh, got its own isolation transform. I'm pretty happy. Okay, cool. So, how much work? I saw there. Uh, okay, surprise! I I saw a picture what? of it. Yeah, I saw a picture of it. You you shared it with me. So there's a um a little bit of a uh, looks like water damage at the bottom of the cabinet. It uh, eh, the bottom actually isn't so bad. The top it, it, he he uh, pulled it off since that MDF for whatever it is uh, came apart. Whoa! So, you just so really, it, it's just one piece of wood away from being completely Hmm. Do you have so typically my well where how well where will we will oh my goodness. oh crap I forgot the phrase what is it my wheel somebody help me out here well you sound kind of like a robot right well, now yeah you're roboting big time don't know what happened but maybe it's just because you're so excited to tell about your Pac Man yeah maybe it's just anyway yeah yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, just need to tell people what you're packing, man. Get some wood with a hacksaw. <laughs> <laughs> My day, we used a hand. We used a bare hand. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Ray? What have you been up to? Well, I'm glad you asked. See? <laughs> yeah. See? Here? Here, see? See here? Uh, I went to a speakeasy. Yeah, guess what they had there? Retro arcade game. Exposed brick. Huh. Get stars. <laughs> You saw a beard, you say? I did. I had a man bun. I called it, I couldn't believe what I saw. <laughs> I called it, I couldn't believe what I saw. She. <laughs> we called them gentlemen buns in my day. <laughs> Snort. I just snorted. <laughs> you have to bleep that out. <laughs> Good times. Good times. Oh my god. Maybe right. I should go next. <laughs> oh god. Dan, what are you working on? Oh jeez. I got a poker machine from uh what? Oh, uh, what's that guy that everyone likes around here? He's been a friend of mine for a while. I don't know. Chris Rhodes. Chris has a poke poker machine? No. Back the Back the truck up, <laughs> pump the brakes. So it's this little tiny, uh, I don't know, kind of looks like a little black plastic shell. He calls his oh my God. Lord, Lord Helmet. You bought one of those? Yes. Did he so trick it out I took it apart and uh, jammified it. And oh, so you're working on it. I picked up a retro pie, see? Yeah, and you stuck it inside the machine, see? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's about the. Uh, yeah, that's about all I did. Uh, why don't you tell us about what you did there, Adam? Uh, so last weekend, I I told you guys I was going to go, you know, pick up a mousetrap for, you know, my fiance. Mm-hmm. We did that last weekend. We went to Milwaukee, 
and we actually drove out there with the intention of driving right back. So we went out to the guy's house, picked up the machine, put it in, and oh my gosh, the nightmare of um, tr- you know, pulling a trailer with nothing in it. Have you ever done that? Yeah, all over the road, and it's it's and it gets louder and louder and louder. Just like ready to, your teeth are rattling out of your head. And I'm like, I was like, I almost called my brother. I was like, what do I have to do to make this stop? You know, I stopped, reseated the trailer hitch like twice. Now uh, you better qualify your statement with the fact that you don't own a truck. No, I have a Ford Edge that I normally could put a game inside, but I had a you know a future wife in it, so I could not put the game and the future wife in it. So that also contributes to the fact that pulling a trailer would be a colossal harm. <sighs> I did that for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, no, uh, I have a really nice trailer hitch. Uh, I have used a rental trailer before. I've got a buddy who's got a trailer, and I've uh, borrowed it from him before. Never really had the type of problem that I had. I, it was a 4 by 8 U-Haul this time, and for some reason, it was just bouncing all over the road. In fact, when we went through the Lowry Tunnel, you yeah. know, everybody familiar with that? 94? Heading into Lowry Tunnel? It's good, like, eighth of a mile tunnel. Went in there, and a guy spun out right in front of us. On the first yeah. leg of our trip, we were just freaking out, you know, because, and then it was bounce, 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 loud, 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 and, you know, threatening to leave each other on the way to Milwaukee. Not really. No, just some some serious tense moments. And then we finally got there, got the game, and, not, and then we we're going to head back, and we decided, nope, hey, let's spend a night at the Sheraton where MGC is. So that was kind of cool. We stopped off and they've remodeled that whole hotel and they're actually working on the rooms. They said they'll be done by March. So MGC coming up in April people. The, uh, the correct thing to do at that point would be to literally go to the front desk, wheel in your mousetrap and be like, I'm here for MGC. See? <laughs> well, the next day when we left, I did take a picture of my car with the trailer and I posted it to them. Um, Dan, you would know about this if you were on Facebook. Um, Nobody uses Facebook. You're right. Nobody in this room uses Facebook. What's this Facebook thing I talked about? <laughs> Except for all three of us, not you. Put my face on it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> gentlemen, for the gentleman bot. <laughs> so I posted to the Midwest uh, Pinball Arcade Collectors Group, and I said, "Dudes, I'm I'm at MGC. I've been here all weekend, and, and there, nobody's even set up yet. It's Sunday." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got a few chuckles. A few chuckles. We got a few chuckles. Just like three for the four, three or four people that are on Facebook. You know. Okay. So here's my advice to you. When I I have a trailer, I actually remove some air from the tires. If I was going to do that. Yes. I was totally going to do that. Whatever it is, I go to a gas station, pay a buck, and then I fill the tires up. Oh my god! I was like, they're they're too full. It was bouncing all over. And I thought, well, I could buy some cat litter to throw in the back. But if you throw like 80 pounds of cat litter, that's not going to do anything. You know, uh, you need like I have a to interrupt here, by the way, with yeah. the whole air in the tire thing. Have you guys been to Quick Trip? You mean like in our lifetime? Uh-huh. No. If I've... you go to the spot where you put air in the tires, you can literally plug in the PSI in the machine and hook your hook your little tire gauge up, and it'll start pumping. And when it hits that PSI, it'll beep at you. That's pretty cool. Does it actually and stop filling? Yeah, it stops filling. Well, see, that's even better. Like a I lot know. of them have the gauge on there, so you can at least see what's going on. But it's cool if if you can actually have it just turn off when it gets to the right PSI. So I thought I'd let you guys know that that was just uh, in case. Cool. You know, for the people that are new to um, filling air up in their tires, is PSI is. Pounds per square inch. Sure it is. 
Well, back in my day, that was a personal safety ID. That's what PSI meant in my day. The other thing I've been working on is uh, RetroPie uh, main machine. So those are my oh. those are my two things. You and I are doing the same thing. See. Yeah. So if you want to get together, um, Dan, and, and work on those, I, I, we're actually having a pie party next week. That's uh, <laughs> for RetroPie. Nice. <laughs> are you gonna? You should really bring pie though. That would make it. <laughs> Actually, we're gonna have whiskey. <laughs> you can put you can make apple pie with whiskey. That whiskey does. and pie. Oh, those are those are two combinations that go great together. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, we used to drink pie and whiskey. <laughs> drink pie. Well, you know. Move along now. So I think we lost our guest. I'm still here. Oh, Jason, how you doing? Good, good to hear your voice. Are we are we still talking projects like what what we're working on? Yep. What are you working on right now? Um, I'm about sixty or seventy hours into um, a Gottlieb Gold Strike from 1975. I picked it up about a year ago, and it had uh, a rotten cabinet. It had been stored outside for I think a year, and oh, wow. uh, so uh, the bottom of it rotted off. Um, and so I had to source a replacement cabinet, and oh. I, worked, I worked on that over the summer. And now I'm kind of did you burn the old? Did, did you burn working. the old cabinet? Yeah, I, I burned the old cabinet. I um, I uh, uh, aroused the ire of the Cabinet Savers Brigade on uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Facebook um, EM group that I'm a member of. I posted a video of it burning with uh, a soundtrack from. Diamonds are forever when James Bond is thrown into the oven. <laughs> I love so it's, that. So it's it's super it's super dramatic and it pissed off a couple of guys. But um, yeah, I burned the cabinet because it was it was no good. One thing that I probably should have added to the show, Jason, is uh, just for this episode, uh, Jason and I. One of the things we bonded on early was our love of soundtracks. Jason is a, I would say you're a soundtrack connoisseur. Yeah, I I I, I like them. <laughs> And uh, we've traded a few over the years, and uh, Jason's always careful to remind me or to alert me when there's something that he feels that I'll be interested in on La La Land or, you know, any of the relevant soundtrack sites that are out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a subject for an entirely different podcast. There's so much Absolutely. to it. Right now I have in front of me the Escape from New York soundtrack by John Carpenter. Is that a, a, a new issue or a new uh, release of it? Yeah, it's a new issue. Huh. It's pretty cool. It's got, um, you know, John Carpenter Association with Alan Haworth uh, and um, all the good stuff, plus some uh, clips from the movie intertwined. Love me some Snake Plissken. Yeah, 1981. I thought she was taller. I thought she was dead. <laughs> in the first movie, it was dead. And in the second movie, um, I don't even like to really admit it existed because escape from LA was kind of crap. Kind of. Yeah. It was, it was horse crap mm-hmm. horse malarkey. Mm-hmm. So you're working on the gold rush. Yeah. Uh, gold strike. Um, so gold I'm strike. Kind of, I've got a, a reproduction play field that was uh, made by Wade Krause. That's going to go into the game. So I have to do a play field swap, which I've never done before. Um, <sighs> and, uh, it's going to be a lot of work, but, uh, should be fun. And, Right now, I'm just going through all the mechanics and uh, taking them apart, cleaning them, putting them back together. And just the other day, um, you saw I posted on Facebook that uh, Decagon unit that was all pitted out. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it's strange. The Decagon unit is uh, it goes inside of the the score reels. So when the score reels spin and they land on a, a score value, um, if uh, uh, that number is uh, a value for which you would get a replay or an extra ball, it would fire the knocker and you would get uh, you know whatever uh, bonus the game would give you. And so this circuit board controls that, and uh, so it's got ten positions. And uh, I would say five out of the 10, six out of the 10 were completely burned out. So I had to replace it with uh, um, another part that I I grabbed from a parts machine. So kind of a pain in the butt, but should be good for the next 50 years when I'm done with it. That's nice. I saw pictures of it and I I thought, what what would score the bottom of that and just heat it up? And somebody had tried to like repair it with solder at some point. And you can you can get away with that, but I, I'm fortunate that I've got a parts machine that has, like, uh, I think I've got about eight of these extra Decagon units. So, you know, I'm putting so much effort into it. I'm just gonna, uh, you know, it, it's worth it. It's it's a valuable game and highly desirable, and I'll be glad when it's done. Fantastic. That pretty much covers everything we're working on right now, right? Yeah, I think so. Sweet. It's the arcade news with Don. File this one under Weird Gentleman, the return of, you guessed it, Starcade. <laughs> you guys familiar with Starcade? I am. He's, uh, Intimately. Uh, how did you feel about this? I'm actually so, pretty psyched about it. Yeah? Yeah. So, according to the website Kotaku Shout Factory, the company behind the new Mystery Science 3000 revival. An endless parade of classic cartoons, TV shows, and movies has acquired worldwide television format and ancillary rights to the Starcade <laughs> from JM Production Company. Excellent. I don't know. Right, what What do you think about this? <clears throat> so JM is, uh, I think it stands for one of the hosts, you know, in the whole thing. Hmm. Can't remember his name right now. I, uh, I can't say that I'm going to give this a vote of confidence because I didn't even know that they were going to redo Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> they, they, there was a huge thing last last year. I took my um, future stepdaughter to uh, a theater production where they did live MST3K and introduced the new host, who will be on very soon. And he's really good. Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's it's it's... It's really cool. I, I think I think it's going to be a good show. At least MST3K. I don't know about Starcade. So I'm kind of looking at this, and I can't tell. Are they going to play classic arcade games? Well, they better. Well, so here's the, here's the thing. In the original, um, they used to take and match up people based on their skill for the, the show. So you could have like a 23-year-old uh, mustached uh, Coke bottle glasses dude matched up with a 10-year-old uh, girl who looked like she should star in Annie. And that's literally what you will see if you go to the Starcade.tv website right now. <clears throat> and they, they played the games and they, they answered trivia questions uh, and then they would win bonus prizes like uh, TI computers, VIC-20s, Casio keyboards, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would hold a certain nostalgia, but I don't know what the, the you know, what's your demographic for that, really? Yeah, really. Who's going to watch this? I don't know. So I don't know. I'll give it a shot. If it's on, I'll, uh, 
probably watch it and see what I think. But they're they're um, on the t- to your um, interest, Dan. Um, <clears throat> when they released Dragon's Lair to DVD in the nineties. Um, there was a bunch of bonus materials. And one of the bonus materials is a Starcade episode that fe- features uh, Dragon's Lair. And they oh, have cool. a couple of people pitted against each other for the episode. They played a variety of games, right? They might play Tron, they might play whatever. And then they, Dragon's Lair is one of the games. <clears throat> but they had a Dragon's Lair expert on who yeah. could beat the game, mm-hmm. which you did recently. And um, he played the game throughout the episode uh, while these other two contestants were doing their thing, answering trivia questions and winning prizes. Um, and ultimately, <clears throat> the, the goal of the show for the for the contestants was to have them win either an arcade or a jukebox or something, you know, and I say arcade, I mean a video arcade machine. Right. Uh, so they might say, uh, t- you know, today's prize is a Frogger, and uh, here's what you have to do to win. Or tonight's prize is a Rock Hollow jukebox, and here's what you have to do to win. So, um but it was always exciting because you're like, these are things you could never attain as a as a ten or fifteen year old, right? So, um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, the the show was created by someone named James Caruso and Mavis Arthur, and it was uh, it was on from 1981 to 1983 uh, or 84. Uh, Alex Trebek actually did a pilot episode. Interesting. Um, and then uh, Jeff Edwards, I'm sorry, Jeff Edwards was the main host from 83 to 84, and he, I think he was the best. And the host that's featured um, after Alex Trebek is kind of a, a D-bag. He, I, I didn't like him, so he was... Kind of smarmy. Yeah, he's mean to the guests. Like, in the first episode that you'll see on the website, he's talking to the girl, and he says, we're going to talk to, I, I don't know his name, John, because because he's bigger. I, I literally says that I was like, yeah. so, but anyway, it's an interesting, um, concept cause you know, arcades, video games and prizes, but I don't know how that translates to today's market. Yeah. It'll be a interesting little experiment, but, uh, well, I, don't know. Everyone, I will for sure. Uh, watch everyone it. report back. That's yeah, yeah. listening and, uh, <laughs> let us know what you think. Call on the game line. Six, one, two, five, four, eight, four, two, six, three. Raw Thrills, Space Invaders Frenzy started shipping Monday, January 16th. That was this last Monday. So Space Invaders Frenzy is the uh, modern version of Space Invaders. It's got the larger-than-life screen, larger-than-life earnings is their tagline to this (laughs) thing. Two players wield futuristic plasma cannons to defeat waves of descending invaders. Sounds very familiar. Uh, to save Earth and win big tickets. It's a ticket redemption it's machine. A redemption machine. But mm-hmm. it's the last Pac-Man came out as a redemption machine too. That's uh, interesting. I don't know what to make of this. I like Space Invaders, but I don't know, Jason. Oh, if you see the game, it's amazing. Yeah, but I saw Frogger and I was like, oh, damn, that looks so cool. And then I went and played it and found out you just literally hit the button. I do want Jason's take. Yeah. On what? On what? On Rothrill's Space Invaders Redemption game that's coming out on January 16th. Some. Uh, I don't have an opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay because, you know, I don't really either. I like Space Invaders. They've, they've made some really cool uh, adaptations over the years. They made some new sequels that came out on the Game Boy Advances and um, SPs and lights and all that kind of stuff. And those are fun, but 
It's Space Invaders. I always thought Space Invaders was kind of boring myself. Yeah. Mark, what do you think? Are you a Space I Invaders like fan? Uh, only, nah, I mean, my wife likes the loud thundering noises it makes. Yeah. But this game has like two big seats and you can, you both have like these giant, you know, Gatling gun type things that are in front of you. And it's, it's kind of like you're shooting them with like a missile command type style. So hmm. crazy. The I don't know. I don't know if you could pay me to own a space invaders. That's one game I've never owned. And I don't think I will. Well, it certainly is no berserk. The humanoid must not escape. Can Can Wonderland. Uh, today is crazy news. St. Paul's indoor Coney Island. That's St. Paul, Minnesota, with art and cocktails. TwinCities.com is reporting that Can Can Wonderland is a new artist-designed mini golf, snack bar, bar, music stages, boardwalk-like attractions, which includes cocktails and EM pinball. That's pretty cool. All things. Jason, have you heard about this? Yeah, um, a couple of guys in you know the little pinball group that were on Facebook, uh, they went over there. So I just learned about it a few days ago, and they've got a, a nice assortment of EM pinball machines and uh, EM arcade games um, that I really want to check out. Is the is the collection as big as yours? Um, I think they've got uh, fourteen or fifteen. So no, but. Um, I mean, that's actually more working games than I have. I only have about 12 working <laughs> games, but I've got another 12 that don't work. So, um, but I really want to go and check it out. So, uh, yeah, we should uh, do that. Yeah. It looks pretty good. Well, if anyone decides to go over there, give me a shout and I will join them. We'll go check it out. Sweet. Uh, and then today in sad news, Aerosmith, terrible, <laughs> terrible band, <laughs> terrible music. Oh, come on. Yeah. Seriously, they, they have one of, the best songs ever in rock history. No, they are trying very hard to make them out to be um, like America's rock band, like America's <laughs> Beatles, but they they suck. And I hate Aerosmith, but they're coming out with a new pinball machine, <laughs> and some jackass is going to buy this. <laughs> I actually like Aerosmith quite a bit, and seriously, "Dream On" is probably one of the best songs ever, ever on the on the face of the planet. That was like nineteen uh, what seventy. Three. So uh, I bet that won't be on there. It'll be some bullshit like crying or <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, will indeed be featured in a new arcade quality pinball machine by Stern. Nine of their hit songs created by Stern Pinball. <laughs> you know, that's a cash grab, dude. This is a cash grab for who? Ah, Stern. They do that with all their games. Kiss. You know, they have all, you know, Stern has ruled the market. Maybe Jason could explain to us what the heck happened. All of a sudden, Stern was it for like 15 years. Well, they're the last remaining uh, manufacturer that, uh, you know, from the heyday of pinball, um, that's still there. You know, there's other companies that are making games like Jersey Jack. But they were they were um, spooky pinball, but uh, Stern's the only one that's really they're, they're still the big name, um, and they've been getting around with the licensing. Um, they did Metallica recently and ACDC, so I imagine this will probably be similar. And I mean, the music will be different, obviously, but it'll probably be just as obnoxious as those titles are. Those other ones. 
and but they, they also, look crappy. I don't I don't care. The artwork on those things just looks terrible. They look cheap. I'm just not a fan of Stern Pinball. I think Jersey Jack is the way to go. I think you'd be nuts if you had ten grand to blow on a machine that you're going to go buy an Aerosmith machine when you can go pick up a Wizard of Oz or I heard, Hobbit. Or, I heard you know Jersey I mean? Jack's having some trouble, though. Like, they're not really? make, They're having fulfillment issues, or they're making promises they can't keep, and people are getting ticked off with their customer service. But um, that's just what I heard. That could be completely wrong. They uh, they make a vastly superior product to Stern. I played The Hobbit. I didn't like it at all. That was no. boring. Boring, boring, boring. I'm not a fan of The Hobbit, but, you know, a really good thing to do here, in my opinion, would be to just create a new IP and just, you know what I mean? But just, Wizard of Oz, man, that was a that's a killer pinball machine. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and, and the whole LCD screen, I mean, like, they're the first ones to sort of take that deep dive and say, I'm going to do something different with that back glass finally. Yep, you know, love like, it. Love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Mark, do you have an opinion about those pinball machines? Uh, if I got one for free, it'd be awesome. Yeah, because they're like a gazillion dollars. You could buy like... Why not? I know. When, well, if you think about like, oh, it's $3,000 to buy a computer space or 7000 to buy a pinball, I'm like, wow, the computer space is a bargain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Wait a minute, what's computer space? The first commercial <laughs> video game ever. Uh, yeah. I know that when we first brought it up on the show, I was like, what's the name of the first? Yeah. So that's it for uh, news. I'm just not really terribly impressed with Aerosmith. I think they could have done something better. I think uh, I was pretty excited when I heard about Ghostbusters, and then I saw the art for it, and I was like... Uh, well, I got to say, I played Ghostbusters a number of times, especially at Up Down now, and I played mm-hmm. it at MGC last year. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Really? Great, great game. So fun. Very fast-paced. But I also really like the new Game of Thrones games that were out that year uh, or last year as well. I, I kind of liked Star Trek when it came out. But they made like three or four different versions of that, and they were all like between five and ten k. Yeah, too much. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. It's not cash grab. Well, for ten k, you could pretty much buy everything that's in my basement right now. That's what I, you know, initially put into those games that are there. Dang, dang. So that's the news, huh? What's it? No news is good. Good news with Gary Ganu. We have a new segment coming up, and it's uh, coming up right now. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Back, back to the to cave, cave with, with Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Welcome, welcome. All are welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah, I miss her. She was just a teen when I went to school. I don't know what that means. Okay. Let's see. Destination time, January 1962. I actually think that this might have been a February thing, but there is an Attaball version of the Three Coins EM pinball machine released under the name Jolly Jokers, and 700 of these were produced. Um, hey, Jason, what, what does Attaball mean anyway? Well, in certain jurisdictions, uh, such as Wisconsin and New York, and I think possibly Connecticut, um, getting a replay in most pinball machines, you you know the, the credit unit would step up and you'd get another game. And 
and some areas, um, you know, pinball had a terrible reputation for the longest time. It was conflated with juvenile delinquency and was just considered, it kind of got lumped in with vice and it was just disreputable and, you know, it ran afoul of the law. And so the pinball manufacturers, uh, Gottlieb came up with the idea of, uh, instead of getting a credit, you would get, um, just an extra ball. So your game would be longer. And they started that in 1960 with flipper. That was so part, this, partly because of gambling, right? Yeah. If, if, if you look at the back glasses of these old games, they uh, say uh, for amusement only, and some of them will say no wagering. So they were very sensitive about that because uh, they didn't want to uh, get into trouble, even though most of their themes were vice-related, you know, the playing cards and and uh, women in bikinis. <laughs> well, I guess women in bikinis it really isn't vice-related, but, no, you know, but, it was kind of scandalous. Yes, it's very scandalous. Yeah, I know the three coins girls are sitting on a on a well. <laughs> it's, yeah. Incidentally, three coins did come out in February that year, but the Jolly Jokers came out in January or the other way so, around. One of the so two. So before a month before then. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Jolly Jokers, by the way, looks like playing cards, but <clears throat> I think I'm going to prefer the the uh, the three coins. I, I think we've since we've never had this angle of the of the arcade. Um, genre on the show i think it might not be a bad idea to discuss it was laguardia right jason um are you talking about when pinball was legalized in new york yeah but before that um laguardia um i believe was the guy oh the governor or the mayor that yeah, yeah. who smashed all the machines yep yeah 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 there's you can find old photographs of him i, I think that's the guy taking uh yeah. basically a mall and they're tipping the machines over, and some of those games were actually um, like the, like the I think they were bingo games. Um, and there was a time when certain games did have a payout. You know, they would you would get some sort of monetary reward. I'm not an expert in these in this era of games, but uh, you did get something of value, and uh, so that was considered gambling. And oh no, so those games had to be destroyed. <laughs> So I put into the local um, chat just a link for the the hosts to see. Uh, I can share it with the regular chat if there's anybody out there. Um, I'm not connected to the chat. Art Mark, are you on there? I am, but it's on another computer. Okay. So it'll take a bit. Um, So anyway, there's a picture on the Atlantic of LaGuardia um, tipping over a pinball machine. There's another one. uh, If you can find, he's got a sledgehammer, which is great. And they named an airport after this guy. So... (laughs) And it's one of the worst airports ever. <laughs> so whenever you go in there, just make sure you tip something over. <laughs> That's right. Okay, we're going to jump ahead 13 years to January 1975. And uh, I'm just going to rattle off some games, uh, some EM pinball releases that were put out. Uh, there was Atlantis by Gottlieb. Uh, actually, Gottlieb, one of my uh, favorite uh, manufacturers. I had, I've owned several of their machines, and I would like some more. <laughs> Gottlieb's are That's awesome. That's cool. Check. Uh, yeah, I have uh, the system 10. I forget exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll discuss this in a little bit. Um, right. Uh, Checkmate by Riesel? Russell? Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a Spanish manufacturer. Russell? Russell. <laughs> Russell. Ha-ha. Raquel. Raquel. Mama, mama, mira, mira. Russell. Okay. <laughs> it's Raquel, see? I'm from Texas. Okay, yeah. Flickr by Bally, Olympics, Chicago Coin, and Superstar Chicago Coin, and oh, one more guy, Gottlieb, Super Soccer. Nice. A great follow up to just soccer. 
Yeah. Right. Two years later, also January 1977. Are you are you catching the the pattern There's a theme here? here. <laughs> yes. RCA Corporation released the Studio Two video game console a full nine months before Atari released their the VCS, the video computer system, or also known as the Atari 2600. And that's notable because that uh, Studio Two was still black and white, and it still looked like like a Pong machine. Yeah, many of them were before that, I suppose. Studio mm-hmm. two. I remember mm-hmm. the Studio Two from uh, when I was into like hardcore um, console collecting. I I remember thinking I should get a Studio Two and a, a Fairchild Channel F, and they're just ridiculously expensive and really crappy. They are. I mean, it's like uh, owning a forty-year-old uh, two sets of dial pads. <laughs> they look terrible. There's no joystick. <laughs> And the design is terrible. If you th- if you look at the VCS, that's just super slick compared to joysticks. I mean, that was that's right. that was a video computer system. Yeah, cha, cha, cha. Got a couple more here. Let's go hop up to 1982. Midway released Miss Pac-Man, despite it being copyrighted as 1981 in January. January, January 13th. Lucky 13. <laughs> It was a sequel to Pac-Man, but created without Namco's authorization. They also released Baby Pac-Man and Pac-Man Plus without Namco's authorization later, just to sort of go, yeah, yeah, we're going to do this all the time. Um, and the latter is a, though the former is a pinball video game hybrid, <laughs> Baby Pac-Man. I have not played one game of Baby Pac-Man. Has anybody? Jason? I have. I remember. I remember seeing it at Circus when I was growing up at Maplewood Mall, and I, was, I think I was kind of intimidated by it because I, I didn't understand. Uh, uh, I was really stingy with my tokens, so if I didn't think I could figure out the game and if I thought it was going to kick my ass, uh, I would stay away from it. So I don't think I ever played Good it. Good plan. Good plan. But, you know, Jason, it, it, it is in Tom Taylor's uh, collection. I think I'm going to have to go back to Tom Taylor's three more times before I get through all of his games. <laughs> it's back in his office. Um, and I played it last time I was there and the time before. Well, actually, I didn't play it last time. The time before last, I did play it. And it's as horrible as I remember it at Showbiz Pizza in 1982. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Showbiz Pizza. Yeah. I remember thinking, what a colossal ripoff. You put the quarter in, and the, the play field is so short that when you launch the ball, you have about, I don't know, a half second to decide what to do with the flippers before the ball totally drains. And it's uh, it's very challenging. But if you are able to play it for more than a couple seconds, like I was, you can actually get it to go into the arcade mode, which then puts um, a baby pack screen up in front of you, and you can play a legitimate version of uh, pack. Well, it's an illegitimate version. Sorry baby pack because they changed the logic and it's complete. There's the, the AI is terrible for the ghost. You will basically die within seconds of playing the, the game. So it was, it was designed to take your money really. Hmm. So I guess I, I guess I was right. Run out. Yeah, exactly. Run out and play that thing right away. <laughs> so when you, when you go to Tom Taylor's, we should play it and just lament about how wonderful it is. <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see a couple Oh, same year, actually, same month. Sega released Zaxxon, uh, Dice Match Graphics. It was in 3D, and it was really cool. And uh, I, I own a Zaxxon, and my Zaxxon story is I was unloading it. I didn't strap it, and then it fell forward onto its face. And so that Ow. was sad. Ouch. Ow. Did it break in two, Mark? 
It did not, but it looks like some like the front of it got smooshed. Does the smooshed. does the ship still fly the same way? It does. So it's still broken. Did it make it a 2D scroller instead of that 3D garbage? 2.5. 2.5D. <laughs> Some nice. of the explosion sounds are gone. And finally, in January 1985, Konami released Ye Ar Kung Fu, which lays the foundation for modern fighting games. Uh, you had one full joystick to uh, get your Kung Fu on. That's all you needed. I, yeah. I Back actually, in my day, we only had half a joystick. <laughs> I didn't like your kung fu. We I kind of hated it. Wheels. Yeah. <laughs> and that concludes Back to the Cade. Nice work. That was a good new segment. Thanks for filling us in on the history there. Love it. Yeah, we're going to be able to do this for a full year. And then next January, we're, uh, we're going to have to pick gonna... one item and one year, and we'll go from there. Well, I think it'll just morph, right? We'll just figure out what to we'll do. We'll do the 90s. But I, I, do, I do think that it's a great segment, so... Uh, thanks for thanks for doing that I think uh, next is uh be our guest be our guest put our service to the test well that, that means that we this is the time for the interview so Jason welcome to the show thanks and why don't you start off by describing, um, we talked a little bit about your collection, but describe describe what you have in your pinball and arcade collection today. Um, I have around 29 games. Um, 12 are, are working and in my game room, and I got about 14 projects. Um, then there's three or four that are just, they're just parts machines or games that I don't intend to keep. Um, they're all EMs. Um, 70% of them are from the 70s, 30% are from the 60s. I have a high percentage of Attaball titles um, because when I started collecting, I lived in Wisconsin, and and uh, they produced fewer numbers of Attaball titles. So they had that kind of that cachette where they're like, oh, there's, they're rare, they're collectible. And uh, in some cases, uh, the Attaball games aren't as fun as the replay. I've learned that as I've uh, collected games, but I still have a fondness for them. And, so... Um, uh, so just why why is that that they're not as fun? That's kind of a, a a controversy that will never go away when collectors get together to talk about uh, replay versus Attaball. Um, you know, the Attaball uh, uh, people who are pro Attaball will say, "Well, you know, all games are free at home. You know, I don't have to play the game, so winning a credit I mean, really isn't of value to me. Um, so, but if I get an extra ball, I can play the game longer." So, you know, that argument at its face has some merits. Um, so Attaball um, is more desirable or less? So uh, it, it depends on the collector. Okay. Um, there are some Attaball titles just owing to their uh, rarity because they produce fewer units. Um, they can be worth more, but it isn't always true. Um, so, but, um, you know, uh, winning... Uh, a credit on a replay game, you know, you get uh, the satisfaction, the knocker goes off, the credit unit um, steps up 
And, uh, you know, depending on how many replays you get during the game, at the end of the game, you know, you may have gotten five, six, maybe even 10, if you had like a really boffo game, you know, there's some satisfaction in that. So, you know, that's, um, and then also at the end of, uh, ad, or sorry, replay games, there's also the, the match units, which, you know, you can still see on modern games yeah. where, you know, if the last two digits of your score matches, uh, the, uh, the match number, then you get a credit then too. So it's kind of like a little, you know, end of the game lottery that you get to play. Whereas out of ball games, uh, they don't have the match, you know, cause the game's over, you know? Oh yeah. You. Okay. So at the end of the game, uh, you, if you're on your last ball and it drains, there's, that's it. The game is over. Well, I know Mark and I own pinball machines too, right? Mark. Yeah. My, uh, NBA fast break has sort of an add a ball, you know, an extra ball. And, and that game is highly competitive because it has multiple high scores and my wife and I are just rabbit over it so <laughs> but uh, it's nifty on the uh, youtube channel says replay rules though okay <laughs> i don't know who he is but he says replay rules and i'm like okay i'll tell them that do you have um uh, i assume that fast break has a match feature at the end it does yeah i think that's like a- probably my favorite feature of pinball period you get to the end of the game and you've you've lost you've been defeated but there's a chance that it will award you one more game and that's always exciting i like going to arcades and people not realizing that that's what happens and there's like (laughs) credits on machines for you yeah that's cool so tell us uh, you described your your collection at a high level jason tell us what some of those games are um so um i've got uh uh, 2001, Abracadabra, Atlantis, Blastoff, Blue Chip, Captain Card, Centigrade 37, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and that's the electromechanical version. They also made a solid-state version because that was when Gottlieb was transitioning uh, from the old technology to the new technology. And for a brief period, they made uh, a few of both, um, but very few of the electromechanical. Um, I've got a Dimension, a Fireball, Flipper Clown, Gold Strike. You have Joker a Fireball? Poker. Yeah, I got a Fireball um, back in July. That's a little so, bit beyond the 75 era. Uh, fireball is from 72, um, but they remade it as a solid-state uh, game um, as Fireball Classic in the early 80s and Fireball 2. Okay, because I was thinking it was like 79 or 80. Um, it, but it is, it is multi-ball, which um, not many EMs are, so it's, it's kind of fun to see that they were able to... Um, uh, engineer that functionality using you know such primitive technology so it's it's a it's a gas i really love it it's a fun game um it's got that spinning disc in the center of the play field so um you know if your ball rolls across it uh, you don't know where it's going to go it things just kind of go haywire so there's a lot of fun unpredictability to it there's a a later game um in the 90s uh there was this terrible movie that came out called lost in space <laughs> you guys remember it I like that movie. Matt LeBlanc. You like that movie? Yeah, because... LeBlanc. What's her name's in it? That girl, you know? (laughs) Uh The hot one? Hot one. Well, it has Gary Oldman in it, too, as Dr. Smith, right? No. What's her name, dude? What's her name? Heather Graham. Yes, Heather Graham. No. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, Tom Cruise's ex-wife. No, wait. Yes. Mimi Rogers? (laughs) No, Heather Graham. She's, She's a nice girl. Dr. Zachary Smith is played by Gary Oldman, just in case you didn't know. I like Gary Oldman. Yeah, but not in that movie. But anyway, getting back to the pinball and the, and the, and the little circle thing in the middle, 
I played that game at Blainbrook Bowl, and it is the 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 Lost in Space pinball is actually super fun. Hmm. It has a multi ball like none I've seen. There's like nine pinballs that come out of the thing, and there's a magnetic thing in the middle that makes them spin around, and it is the most fun. And it's not that expensive of a pinball because people hated the movie. So yeah, it's it's funny the, the the movie is so repellent to me that it actually you know I you know I tur- turn my nose up at the game when I see it. So yeah, it's unfortunate. No, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. So. I mean, I'm a pinball, not movie. <laughs> I'm distracted by this picture of Mayor LaGuardia tipping over a pinball. So, anyway, continuing on with your collection. Um. So, um. Oh boy. Um. I don't know where I left off. Um. Fire. Joker fireball. Oh, fireball. Fireball. Um. Gold Strike, that's the game I'm working on right now. I have an electromechanical Joker poker. Um, they, they also made a solid state version of that. Jumping Jack, Kingpin, Lucky Hand, Neptune, Old Chicago, Palooka, Pinup, Pop a Card, Ship Ahoy, Sorcerer. Now, this is my one solid state game. Um, and it's I it was just by a fluke that I that I happen to have it. It's my my one free game. A former coworker, you know, so oh, you're into pinball. My mom has a game she doesn't want anymore because she was moving. So I relieved her of it, but I don't know what to do with it. I'm actually, I have a, I have a friend who's going to buy it, so it's it's not long. It's rated for, uh, pretty high, though. You should. Uh, next time. No, I, I I I really I like the game actually, but I just it just. Next time you get a solid state, talk to me. Okay. <laughs> um, Spanish eyes, spin a card, um, spirit of seventy six. That really doesn't count. It's just a bucket of parts. Um, but I have your, I have the partner to that game. Yeah. So if you ever need anything, I have uh, a lot of good parts that uh, are specific to um, to uh, your pioneer. So pioneer is the two player. They used to make um, usually a four player and a two player of these games. So, well, I don't know if they usually did, but there was there was often. Yeah, the 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 multiplayers that Gottlieb made in the seventies. That was pretty much the uh, uh, like I have Jumping Jack. The four player version of that is Jack in the Box. Um, so yeah, that was typically the arrangement. Um, why did you know, they do made, that? Why why was there a two and a four player? You could play two player on the four player. So why why would they make a? Why would they be different? It, it was for operators who didn't have as much money. The the four player games because they required more parts. You know the they required more score reels and. Uh, 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 to keep track of all the players, they were larger games. The the backlash was was larger. Some of the four player games. I have a, my Joker Poker is enormous. It towers over Fireball, even though Fireball is also a four player game from Bally. Bally had much sc- smaller score reels. So anyhow, uh, there's just the the material cost of the machine was so great that some operators couldn't afford it. So they offered a, a two player version uh, for budget minded uh, ops. It's like the Yugo. <laughs> yeah. But for home use, you know, uh, it's it's better to have the smaller game because it takes up less space, you know, so... And there's less time uh, to switch between players and you often maybe don't have four players to play. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and there's just... It's, they're just easier to care for because there's less to uh, to work on if you're going to rehabilitate the game. Like, I fixed up uh, my cousin's Jungle Queen, and it's a four-player. Well, that's 16 score reels, and each score reel takes about 45 minutes to take apart, clean, put back together again, test, make sure it works. You know, that it took forever. And, and so. we're talking about score reels. Uh, on an EM, that's the that's the thing that went ding, 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 and the numbers would flip. 
Exactly. Yeah. Like a, like an like an old alarm clock. Um, yeah, that keeps track of your score. So, um, so you know, your pioneer having only you know two players has eight score reels. So that uh, makes things uh, you know a little more manageable than a four player. That's pretty cool. So how did how did you tell us about your love of pinball? How did you actually get into the hobby in the first place? I mean, you kind of alluded to the fact that you went to a one of our retro parties and said, "Huh." Yeah, it, it's kind of it is kind of your fault in a way. Um, <laughs> it's like one of those butterfly flaps its wings over Holland and you get a monsoon and <laughs> and Hawaii or something like that. Um, but um, I um, let's see. It's the nostalgia factor, right? So well, the whole I, reason I, I really didn't, wasn't all that much into pinball. I, I I preferred video games. Like when I went to circus and I went to Chuck E. Cheese, you know, they had the, the pinball machines there, but I kind of, you know, Donkey Kong was my favorite game. Um, okay. so that's kind of how I got started. I just wanted to have a Donkey Kong and I found one on Craigslist. It was, um, you know, I needed a little bit of work and I fixed it up and I thought, well, if I just get one pinball machine, I'll have a, my own little arcade. Um, so I found a, a Kingpin, uh, Gottlieb Kingpin from 1973, just one mile from my house on Craigslist. And I went over there and I looked at it and the guy who had it, he owned it since uh, the late seventies. Uh, he was moving. It was $400, which isn't really a bad price. No. Uh, and it's in pretty good shape. Um, but I didn't know anything about pinball at the time. And he said, you know, it doesn't work. Uh, it needs a, a new tilt relay. And I thought, well, I'll figure it out. So I bought it. I took it home and I didn't know how to dismantle a pinball machine. So I loaded the thing up legs and head attached <laughs> in the back of my brother's pickup truck. And we drove five miles per hour back to my house. Um, and I stayed in the bed of the truck, you know, making sure that the thing didn't topple over. Oh, well, luckily <laughs> <laughs> it was just a mile away. So it was, it was, yeah, I was going to say, luckily the distance wasn't a big, so, uh, for those of you listening, 20 minutes, I can do the math. Come on. <laughs> no. <laughs> for those of you listening, the, the back box can be removed from any pinball. There's a couple of bolts usually. So open then, up yep. your pinball take machine. Cro- take a crowbar. That's right. Yeah. Take a crowbar. Pry the, uh, you know, the coin door off the lock, front. Lock, lock board, lock bar. Yeah. Maybe use a sledgehammer to break the glass just <laughs> so it doesn't break on the way. Uh, yeah, yeah the move the move the lock bar and then Re- you, you reach can, in through the drain. Yeah, re- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so anyway, you can you can remove that thing and you can remove the legs, which is probably a good move as well, right? Yeah. What's yeah. what's so, the you, standard you, you, you bridge just, size on that? It's like three sixteenths or something. Yeah the um, the the leg bolts I think are you know you you can use them on a variety of uh, games throughout uh, all eras of pinball, although. I think um, the newer games use something a little bit different. That's getting outside my area of, you know, familiarity. But yeah, um, you know, the first couple times I moved these games around, I think um, I picked up another game, uh, a Target Alpha, like a week later. Uh, it was kind of crazy. I, I got kind of uh, pinball fever, and uh, I bought a game a week later, and I also moved that game, and that was a four-player game. Um, and so, you know, did you take the legs off that one? (laughs) No, I didn't. I I, I strapped that thing to the back of another trailer and, and that one I had to go much further, but I had it secured with, um, uh, straps. So it was, it was okay. But, um, yeah, the first couple of times I did it, um, but now, you know, when you take the head off, you take the legs off, you can even take the play field out if you want to. So one person can easily, 
you know, go and pick up one of these games and, you know, bring it home if you want to. But back then I, I didn't know that. I have a, I have a Jason related, um, you know, moving story from my early arcade collecting days. Um, was that your Star Wars that yeah. you had delivered to my house in Hudson? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so uh, it was like my third game. Uh, well, actually, it was probably my fifth game because I had Robotron and Miss Pac-Man and Star Wars, and, no, Star Trek and Tempest by then. So I had two, I already had two um, ra- raster graphics and I had, you know, two XY. And so I was looking for another vector game just to make my life more fun. And, and this guy had the... the uh, the Star Wars that he picked up from MoMA. Uh, are either uh, anybody the wrestler? MoMA. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> the, I was gonna say, are you familiar with MoMA? But if you're um, not, it's a yep. Okay, so it was, now it's done online, but it used to be a, a legit auction that you go to. So it turns out that my Star Wars was <clears throat> legendary because it um, had been um, in a barn or in an open area where birds had crapped on it for, for many, many years. So if you ever hear anyone talk about the, the bird crap Star Wars machine, it's mine. <laughs> um, but by the time I got it, 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 the guy had cleaned it up and he had gotten it. He had finally, he had just gotten it working enough that he could sell it. So I went out there um, and Jason was kind enough to let me use his house and, um, and use him as a broker, you know, where he, you know, the guy showed up to his house and waited for me to arrive or I was already there. I can't remember, but anyway, the game was there. Um, we loaded it into my, at the time, uh, Ford escape. Escape, escape. Yeah. So not a Ford edge, but a Ford escape. So it's a much smaller, um, cargo area. And we got the whole game inside the escape all the way. I had to put my seat driver's side all the way forward. My head was actually against the windshield. The game was propped up on the armrest and teetering and then wedged in when we finally shut the door. And I drove from Hudson all the way back to Golden Valley, Minnesota, which is a good 40 minute drive with my head against the windshield, hoping that nobody would pull me over. No trailer. <laughs> Not maybe as bad as, you know, like riding in the back of my cab with a pinball machine, but still it's a Jason related hauling story. We had some, we learned a few things along the way. Yeah. We really, I remember that now we really had to shoehorn that in there. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. <laughs> I, was, I seriously thought I was going to get pulled over and the guys would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> do, do you know why I pulled you over? Hmm. Because I got an arcade game in the back of my car. <laughs> I got an arcade game in the back of my car, see? Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> it's prohibition era. <laughs> okay, so you you got a kingpin, and you, know, you you know you got another game, and then you just yeah another game, yeah, I, and you got another I, game. I just kind of got started uh, with those two games. Um, the kingpin, you know, the guy said it needed a, a replacement tilt relay, and I, I didn't know what it was. So I opened up the game and I turned it on. I, I was actually hoping when I got it home that miraculously it would fix itself. Um, but no, it, it still didn't work. When I turned it on, the backlist would light up a little bit. Uh, the tilt light came on. Um, and when I lifted the play field, you know, I, I looked into the machine and 
you know, it's just this bewildering network of, you know, these harnesses and relays and there's a score motor and there's a transformer. And when it's on, you hear this dangerous home and you see all these, these switch blades and you're like, I'm going to touch something in there. I'm going to electrocute myself. So I was like, I, I can't fix this. So I brought it to a guy in Oakdale named Steve Kinderman. And he, uh, he fixes these games. And, uh, when I picked up the game like a week and a half later, he kind of showed me a few things like, uh, you know, here's how you know the game gives you a credit. So he manually actuated the, the replay unit to give credits to the game. And here's how you remove them by, uh, you know, operating the other um, solenoid. So it steps down and it removes the credits. And all of a sudden the mystery of the game started to uh, evaporate. And uh, I kind of became curious. And so, um, from there on, I, start, I just started fixing my own games. So those are <clears throat> some of the most challenging things were probably just trying to figure out a, essentially, you know, how these things work. When you, and you're right. When you open up a pinball machine and you lift that top up and you look underneath and you see all the solenoids and you see all the lights and you see, I mean, there, and it's just wires everywhere. I mean, that's gotta be daunting at first. Yeah, it was, uh, I, you know, you, you, you I thought I was handy and I could maybe figure it out, but, uh, it was, it was just too much, but you know, that was, uh, you know, this guy was very friendly and, uh, you know, uh, you know, it was expensive. I think I paid $400 for the game and he charged me three twenty five to rehabilitate it, but he did a good job. It still plays like a million bucks, you know, uh, six years later, I still have it and it's a really fun game. Probably one of my favorites. Uh, so, uh, did you learn money well, money, money, money well spent, and and I, yeah, and I learned sure. what I needed to kind of get the ball rolling. So, did you think you learned a lot? Like, was he sort of the catalyst for you know you diving in on your own? And like, what was your first win when you first you're like, I can do this? You got in, you started researching. How did you research? What was your first like? Oh my god, I can do this myself. Um, I think uh, um, like a month later, I picked up a card whiz on Craigslist, which I no longer have. And it, uh, the, the, at the end of uh, the ball, depending on what you accomplished during the, you know, that particular ball, you'd get an end of ball bonus countdown. You know, I had these drop targets. So if you got a, you know, uh, a hand like a Royal flush, um, it wasn't giving you the bonus. You would, you'd get no points. Um, so I looked into that and, uh, you know, there's a lot of really good information online and I was able to get in good working order and it took a long time. It was kind of frustrating, um, but uh, it's just one of those things where you just kind of bulldog your way through it or bulldoze your way through it. You, know, you spend hours and hours uh, with no results, and finally a light bulb goes on. You're like, oh, this, this makes sense. And then um, all of a sudden so, you're jumping around in your living room going, I did it, I did it, I did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I've had that moment a few times with fixing games. So, um you, you talked a little bit about um, fixing up, and, and, and I want to get into a little bit of your restoration technique because um, over the years you've learned um, don't I'm just, kidding. just don't restore them. Uh, over the years you've learned a lot of techniques on how to um, you know sort of bring these back to their their glory days. And I remember the first time I talked to you about one of these pinball machines in person, you were showing me, and you said you had matched the color uh, to the to the exterior of the game, and you you had painted it, and you were not entirely satisfied with that because you're like, well, I think I may have made a mistake, and that <clears throat> um, I, I gave it sort of the the uh the smoke damaged color rather than its original color um 
But as you uh, have learned to restore these things, what do you find the most rewarding and challenging about it? And and give us some of your technique, because I know that you uh, a lot of these machines were stenciled and had uh, splatter paint and things like that. And you've you, you have learned a few things over the years. So 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 walk us through one of your recent restores, if you will. Well, the gold strike that I'm working on right now, I had to repaint the cabinet. Um, I found a donor cabinet at a garage sale over in Richfield, and it was in very good condition. It didn't require any sort of repairs to the wood. Um, so I stripped the paint off of that using um, this, um, you know, this gel that you smear around, and uh, it's citrus-based. And you let it sit for like 15 minutes, and the old paint just it just comes right off and it's better than sanding it because they use lead based paint back then. Ugh. And, um, so if you're sanding in your shop and you know, you get airborne lead particles, it's, you can't get rid of that stuff. So, so, um, scraping it off tip. was preferable. It, it creates this awful sludgy mess, but, um, it gives you, you know, a nice clean cabinet underneath, you know, the woods all nice and it looks almost new. Um, um, but yeah, the, you know, the, the stencils for games, for the ones that I collect, um, are somewhat crude. You know, there's a base color and then there's two other colors and the stencil shapes are very primitive. There's, uh, um, not any negative space. So like, you know, like, like objects suspended inside of objects, there's not a lot of that going on. Um, but, um, you know, the way they were manufactured, uh, in the factory, um, the way the, the paint was sprayed on, you know, they had these, uh, brass plates um, that the shapes were cut out of and they would lean them up against the machine and they would hit it with the paint and they weren't exactly, you know, uh, careful that, uh, you know, the registration was exactly the same from game to game and they weren't exactly careful that the stencil was tied up against the machine, perhaps because the paint was still wet from the previous stencil. But um, so you'd get a little bit of a softness to the edge, which they call underspray or overspray, depending on who you talk to. Um, and if you were to, you know, redo a cabinet for like, you know, a stern game, you know, that sort of softness would be anathema. You'd be like, oh, it looks terrible. It looks like an, uh, an amateur, yeah, did it, it but it's terrible. actually, yeah, it's actually kind of desirable in these older games. So I tried to emulate that by using, you know, I wasn't going to cut the stencils out of brass plates. It's just, you know, it just, it's infeasible with you know, the tools that I have. So, you know, I used a mylar, like seven milliliter seven millimeter uh, mylar and i traced the shapes off the old cabinet and cut them with scissors and then sprayed it on with an airbrush and i got the underspray effect that i wanted and um and then i um you know it uh before you put on the stencils there's also the splatter or spatter um and in older games they had something called webbing and spatter is really easy to do you just dip uh you know your toothbrush and uh you know the paint, you get it to the certain consistency, test it on cardboard, and just creates, you know, this, uh, this, this spotting that's all over the cabinet. Um, so it's really easy to do. I might interject for collectors that uh, like Williams games. Uh, so Joust and Moon Patrol use stencils. Uh, Xenon, Pinball use stencils. Um, that type of technique that you're talking about would be invaluable for those things. Gorf. Um, uh, has a, a, a splatter star pattern on the side in, in addition to its uh, decal. So that technique with the toothbrush would come in really handy. Yeah, it's just a matter of experimenting. You know, before you actually you know commit to applying the paint to the cabinet, you know, you just practice on cardboard. And uh, once you get it right, it's um, uh, it's easy peasy. 
pretty satisfying uh, result. Yeah, yeah. It, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with uh, how the cabinet turned out. I'll be glad when I get the the rest of the mechanical restoration what's your, done. What's your biggest faux pas? What's the what's the worst thing you've done in restoration ahead, or totally redo it, or just chuck it? Um. I have a, a game that I've been working on for probably about five or six years. Uh, I did a total play field restoration. 98% of the art has been completely replaced and, uh, uh, I'll probably never undertake something like that ever again. It's just, uh, I'm just, I'm too fastidious. I, you know, I've, I've, I've uh, you know, in, after clear coating the play field, after doing all my touch-ups, it was uneven as hell. I had to build up the layers of clear coat to level it out so that the ball will roll straight and then, you know, to level out clear over an uneven surface, you have to sand it down. And uh, and I've sanded out my touch-ups, and I have to repair my reparations. <laughs> it's just it's just never-ending. So did you do the art uh, restoration yourself, or did you buy pieces? Yeah, or? I used uh, uh, Frisket, and I, you know, for the solid color areas, um, you know, I... I I, uh, I painted those in solid colors, and then for the artwork, uh, for like the... The playing cards. Um, I recreated that art in Photoshop using scans, and then printed them on water slide decals. Wow! Um, so it was a big pain in the butt. It's I'm really close, but I've been saying that for a couple years now. So <laughs> that's that's just intense. I don't know that I've ever gone to that level on any of my games. Yeah. So I I, I just I prefer not to do that again. Um, I prefer to get nice originals. But I didn't know anything. This was my I think it was my fourth game that I picked up and I saw other guys, you know, with their, Oh, this is how I restored my play field. And I thought, well, I can do this. And it's, uh, it's really involved and I'm just too much of a perfectionist. So, um, I'll probably never undertake something like this ever again. To the same token, that's going to help you out in the future, though. So you'll know what you can and can't do in a quick fashion. You'll oh, go, yeah. You'll go after the things that you want to in a short order, and then you'll just leave the things you can't do, or you know will take way too long to something somebody else, or you'll do it a different way. Yeah, I mean they're all they're all valuable learning experiences. Um, so um, I'm I'll be glad when it's done, and it'll be great, and I'm sure I'll be happy with the results. Um, and there are skills that I've used on other projects. So, uh, but yeah, it's, I, I won't undertake this extensive of a cosmetic restoration of a play field ever again. I'll do little touch-ups, but nothing like this. What was your worst experience in collecting a pin layer? Like, I had a bad deal here. Like, we've all had that thing where we call somebody up on Craigslist, and they, like, undersold it to somebody, or somebody offered them more money, and they sold it from underneath you. Or, you know, the, the things you don't like to hear about when people are just, like, not reputable. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's you dropped a pin or something. But what is your worst experience in collecting pins? Um, pretty much as you describe it, it as a Craigslist deal that went, went South. Um, this guy posted, uh, it was a, a Gottlieb volley from 1976. It's a tennis themed game. Um, it's not a hugely popular title, uh, just because the, the theme is kind of anodyne, but I kind of like those games. There's, if you go into the internet pinball database, you can actually search for games and you can search under theme. You can search for happiness. So <laughs> there's some games that's how they have them classified or categorized because uh, the themes are so inoffensive and family friendly. Um, so, uh, volley is kind of in that uh, category, but anyhow, it looked, uh, I, I think he sent me a, some really bad pictures from like a, a flip phone, but I could tell that it was promising and he wasn't very responsive to emails. It took him a week and a half to get back to me. 
but he called me because I put my phone number in there and we talked very briefly. And, uh, I said, well, I got to do a little bit of yard work, uh, but I can be there like at seven o'clock. And uh, he gave me his address. I said, all right, I'll see you at seven o'clock. And so, you know, it sat for like two weeks and he got back to me first because I was the first responder. Um, and I did my yard work and, uh, I got in my car and I called him. I said, okay, I'm on my way, but he didn't pick up and I left him voicemail and I didn't think anything of it. Uh, but then I called again about a half an hour into the drive. He lived up in, this was up near, uh, Lino lakes, I think. So it's about a 45 minute drive for me. And, uh, I called him three times and he didn't pick up once. So as I was approaching, uh, the city limits, I was like, ah, I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> and, uh, and I got found the address and uh, pulled up along the curb, and here was some guy with his trailer, and they were loading it up into the back of the the guy's trailer. So it was you know cash had exchanged hands. Uh, somebody else was the new owner, and I was SOL. And I was just I was like, Ugh! so that was really frustrating. I got out of my car, I took a picture of it. You know the the seller was this God. He was this disgusting slob he was greasy and he was wearing a wife beater had stains on it and (laughs) i walked up to him i said i called you we had a you know an arrangement an agreement that i was going to come and look at this game and he goes well it's sold (laughs) obviously (laughs) and i i i just stared at him intensely for like 15 seconds i said you're a jackass (laughs) you did I, told, I called him a jackass to his face, and I, I turned around and I left. <laughs> that is awesome. So, Mark or Dan, have you had similar experiences like Craigslist, or like what's your worst arcade collecting experience from both you guys? I'll have to think about it, Mark. You go first. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking like I'm trying. I've had some deals like <clears throat> pulled from underneath me, but nothing where I actually ended up calling the guy a jackass. That's I had uh, that's when great. I got my Donkey Kong Cabaret. The guy put it up for 200 bucks, and uh, I mean, it sat up there for a couple hours, and I was like, hmm, something must be wrong with this thing. But I went down there. It wasn't that far from my house, and um, uh, same sort of story as what was, I guess, mentioned earlier, where I told him, what, you know, on the phone, I'm coming to see you. I've got the money. Don't sell it. And, um, I guess a bunch of people called him and said, Oh, that game's worth like a thousand dollars. Don't sell it for 200 bucks or whatever. So <coughs> I got it, but you know, just that, that's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Then so I you've had like, pretty good luck. Dip. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's okay. I never dealt with anything too nuts. Yeah. It's when the price goes up. That's really the uh, thing you get there. And then all of a sudden something happened where they're like, uh, you know, I'm going to have to charge you more. My wife is saying that, this low ball offer you gave me is no good. And I'm like, well, you said it was so. Yeah. That's kind of BS. Like you give them an, an offer over the phone and then you show up and they're like, mm, you're going to need more money. I'm going to need more money. Cause, and, and, and then they blame their wife for it because they don't have the, you know, the chutzpah. So that's, that's terrible. I, I, um, I paid way too much for games is my, my, my guiltiest thing. Like I, I just, I'm not a very good negotiator. So I hate I, negotiating. So I, I'm like, if, if I get there and it's terrible, then I might say something. 
But if it's like, if I look at it and I go, I could fix it. And what are the likelihood, what's the likelihood that I'll find this game again in the near future? Then I weigh those options and then I decide whether or not I'm going to pay the guy. But I think that's backfired for me too. In fact, I was sourcing a defender for a friend of mine and um, we went to go pick it up and I didn't negotiate at all. And I should have, because the, the game actually, <clears throat> somebody had either dropped it or whatever in the back door was missing. So they put, I don't know where they found it, but I think they took a joust back door, which is a double door, and they stuck it on the back of the defender. So it, it was like totally hodgepodge, you know. Hmm. There was a, a switching power supply that was uh, bolted on in, in a crooked fashion, bypassing the original stuff. And it was working, and the monitor was working, but it was original and it needed to be recapped, you know. The, the the control panel was covered in cigarette burns, and I think I think we ended up paying the guy six hundred bucks for a defender that should have been probably Ouch. more like four, you know, because I would have had put two hundred bucks into it. And defenders is pretty popular, so it's not like he had trouble reselling it for that price. But still, I, I felt like mm, not worth it, you know, after we bought it. <clears throat> so if anybody yeah. wants to sell me a game, I will pay you too much money for it. so any other anecdotal stories to uh your collecting jason or well give us your give us your favorite pin and maybe like a rare one that you have or you want there's a game that i want to get um it's also a bally like fireball it's a multiplayer but it's from the late 60s it's called uh, capersville and um it uh has some really dynamite backlash art by jerry kelly um, and it, uh, they made, uh, a few thousand units of it, but it's really hard to come by. Um, and the one that did come up for sale, I saw in Mr. Pinball classifieds, uh, turned out to be, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Nigerian 404, 414, 413, what do they call it? The advanced fee fraud. So oh. it was it was one of those things. Um, so that was kind of a bummer. Just so I'm aim. looking for one of those. Okay. Um, it's uh, really a sharp game. I don't know. The, the, the style of artwork that uh, Capersville has is called Pointy People, which is not popular with everybody, but Jerry Kelly was the best at the Pointy People Is that style like of David Seville-looking... What's that? Is that like '60s David Seville, pointed chin looking people, or yeah, they like everybody has like really like sharp, uh, like everything goes at you know like their elbows are always at ninety degree angles oh, yeah. and their fingers are you know everything is just they call them pointy people because they're they're pointy. <laughs> um, so very '60s, um, very '60s. Yeah, so I'd like to get one of those. Um, what do you have in your collection that's rare? Uh, I have a, a Neptune. They made uh, 270 of those, I think. That's wow. my rarest my rarest game. I have uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. They made 490 of those, whereas they really? made nearly 10,000 of the solid-state version. So um, I keep forgetting well, these are EMs. Yeah, it, and uh, the fun thing about... Um, Close Encounters is that it has a soundboard in it. It doesn't have chimes, so it makes a boops and beeps and uh, those types of sounds. And because it's it uses uh, AC power to trigger the sounds, you know the, the solid state version. You know it, it's a it's all DC power and it's all regulated voltage. 
and it's regulated by a driver board. And the driver board sends very controlled pulses to the, the tone board, so the sounds are very controlled and precise. But the electromechanical game, you know, the pulses are irregular, and so it has kind of a. Some would say it's a pretty ugly sound. Um, I do prefer the sound of chimes, but it um, it's also kind of otherworldly and alien. So it's kind of fitting for the the theme of the game. Absolutely. Is that 1975 then? Uh, 78. Okay, 78. So when when did Close Encounters come out? 77, 76. 77. Okay. Cool. Um, so what else do I? Jaws have was 75. Jaws was 75. Jaws would make a great pinball machine. Yeah. Well, do they do that? They never made one. No, they didn't. Uh, although I think in the movie, there's a, an EM arcade game. You yeah. can see on the boardwalk, uh, there's somebody uh, firing a gun, you know, and that's, a, <laughs> that's an electromechanical arcade. Yeah. Jaws would be a good theme for a pinball machine. For F- sure. Let's do Jaws. I <laughs> 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 love you, Dan. I love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, I just want to thank you for being on the show. It was pretty, pretty great. We would love to have you on again. I think you have a, a, a plethora of knowledge. It was just very informative. Thanks for being our guest tonight. Oh, um, you're welcome. It was a lot of fun. And uh, gang, um, thanks for listening again. This is uh, Arcade Radio. That's the double R's, R-C-A-D-E radio.com. Please join the conversation anytime. ArcadeRadio.com or react at ArcadeRadio.com and you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Um, give us a call on the game line, 612-548-GAME or 4263. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArcadeRadio and at Twitter at ArcadeRadio. Thanks for listening in. Oh yeah. Boogie down. Time to take my pants off. Again? (laughs) This is the sexy part of the song. I think that was an ape. Who did that? I did, see?